Good morning. My name's Mike. Welcome. I hope you're all doing well. It's like the first real weekend of fall where I'm not sweating. I love it. Um, a few things before we jump into today's lesson. Uh, yesterday was our fall fest, and I don't know about you, but I had a great time. Did you all have a great time? It was pretty fun. Uh, I got to admit, I was not expecting very many people to show up because there was a threat of rain. And I was impressed with how many people were there and how much we got to interact with them and have a good time. And it was really great. I just, I really enjoyed yesterday. It was a lot of fun getting to cook a bunch of dogs and getting to meet people. Um, coming up in two weeks, we are two weeks out from the men's retreat. Yeah, there was, and the crowd went mild. Um, the men's retreat, November 5th and 6th, we aren't going to go anywhere this year. We're going to keep it local, keep it easy, keep it free. Yeah, um, we're going to be here Friday night. We're going to have a, a bonfire devotional, weather permitting. Luckily, we have a building. If it's raining, we can come in and we can make a fake fire. We've done that many a time this summer. And it, we're going to be talking about coming out of the wilderness. The wilderness is in Scripture a lot, and God uses the wilderness. And we're going to talk about how God uses the wilderness, and I think you'll all agree, as a group, we have been coming out of the wilderness. We might not have been in the woods, but we've been in COVID, and we've been in quarantine, and we've been in lockdown. So we're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to be here Friday night. We're going to be here Saturday morning and Saturday evening and Saturday afternoon. Much like when we're away, we're going to have free time to be guys and go do stuff. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. We have schedules at the welcome desk. If you have questions, you can talk to me or Nathan. Gil, he's in the back with the kids. Also, Friday night, if you're interested, a bunch of us are going to be camping. You don't have to camp. But a bunch of us are going to be camping. You can talk to Michael Gill or Nathan Gill about that. They can get you set up on where and when and all the logistics of that. Commercials are over. We're in a sermon series called, You Want Me to Do What? And today we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, 38 through 48. And I'm going to have somebody come up and read that. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. That's essentially what we're looking at. And we're looking at this chunk today. In Micah 6.8, it's my 
life verse for like the past three years. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. There's a song out there that says, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And that's like a couple years ago, I think it was Gary, <clears throat> was talking about having a life verse each year. He picks a verse and that's his life verse. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a really good verse. That's, a, that's the verse I'm going to pick. And the beginning of the next year, I was like, huh, what verse should I, what should I look at again? And God's like, you're not done here. You're not, you're not done with this one. I'm like, okay. And the next year, I was like, what verse should I look at this year? And God goes, hey, right there, you're still not done. And I'm like, oh, I, I see a pattern. I see a pattern, God. Okay. Today, we're talking about this idea of non-retaliation. That's a big word of saying turn the other cheek, right? Big word, non-retaliation. Now, I want to be clear. I am not talking about staying in an abusive relationship. If you are in an abusive situation, there are people here who want to help. There are people here who want to get you out of an abusive relationship, abusive situation. I'm also not saying that you have to be a doormat and you can't stand up for yourself. So hear me right off the bat. Non-retaliation, what Jesus is talking about here, does not mean stay abused and does not mean allow people to continually use you. Not what I'm talking about. What we are talking about is your daily life. How many of you get offended at some point during the day? I do too. See, I'm, I'm, we're talking about being wronged, being passed up. And for many of us, being offended is a struggle. So being, being offended is easy in today's world. We talk about it all the time. We can get so focused on what we think is deserved that we neglect the other two facets of what Jesus is trying to teach us. So we're all about seeking justice, right? Justice is you get what is deserved. But mercy is taking what is deserved and delaying it or taking it away because of love. And walking humbly, if I'm walking humbly with God, how easy is it going to be to be offended? There's that Because sometimes our being offended has a lot to do with pride. If I solely focus on justice, it would be very easy to argue that retaliation is justified. If I'm only looking at justice, I can be like, I'm right in doing exhibit A. It would be really easy to justify yourself. But what happens when we try to be like Christ? What happens when I, a disciple who wants to walk and be like my master, walk with and be like my master, am really trying to be that disciple? When I'm offended, am I going to seek justice or am I going to turn that other cheek? In Isaiah 53, verse 7, we, Isaiah told everybody what Jesus was going to do when, he, when there was a chance of being offended. Isaiah 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. They're talking about the crucifixion here. Which, you know, that's probably the biggest point in Jesus' life 
where he could have retaliated and been justified because he was dying a sinner's death and he wasn't a sinner. But he didn't say anything. He didn't change anything. He knew that's what his father wanted. So he went along with it. If anybody on this world had the power to change anything, it was Christ. And he didn't. I think of all the times in his life, he would have been just in retaliating against those who persecuted him. And it wasn't only at the crucifixion. It happened throughout his ministry. When looking at his interactions specifically with the Pharisees, we see mercy. We don't see justice. We see mercy. They're all about what the law says. And Jesus and what Alan's been preaching, I hope you've caught it, is that Jesus is coming and he's making what seems to me the law harder to follow, not easier, right? I say love your enemies. Don't hate them because if you hate them, it's murder. Uh, don't lust because lust is adultery. What? Okay, you're making this harder, Jesus. I thought you came... I thought you came to do away with the law. I didn't say that. I didn't say I was coming to do away with the law. I said I was coming to fulfill the law. There are so many times where Jesus would have been just in retaliation. And the problem is, is the Pharisees thought they were right in seeking what they thought was just. When Jesus' disciples are hungry and they grab a few grains with their hands and they eat it. The Pharisees come down on them like a rock because that is the Sabbath and you are working. Was the Sabbath created for man or the man created for Sabbath? Jesus could have just came down. I am God. Who are you? Instead, he gently, he gently talks to them. Jesus is far more gentle than I am. I've been having this conversation with Cassie because I'm a dad of girls. I need to be more gentle. I don't have little boys. I have little Kara who just sweetly read this verse. I wanted a younger person, by the way, I wanted a younger person to read this verse because Alan's been having people read verses and I think that's awesome. I was like, I'm going to continue that. And I was talking to my older child and I was like, Blythe, I think it would be really cool if a younger person read the verse because hearing it from a younger person changes something to me. I don't know if it does that for you, but it's like, oh, oh, out of the mouth of babes. And Blythe's like... When I go in the church service, nope, <laughs> nope, and car is sitting in the back seat. I'll do it. No, I mean in front of everybody at the church. Oh, I'll do it. Okay, that's my daughter. Uh, in Matthew twenty three twenty three, it says this. It says, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law: justice, mercy, and faith." These things should have been done without neglecting the others. If we really look at this idea of non-retaliation, I, studying this for the past few weeks, I found something really interesting that never stood out to me before. That I'm supposed to non-retaliate because that's what Jesus did, right? That's, that's the way I always looked at it. I mean, that's true. But there's something deeper there. There's something deeper that I've been noticing as I study this. That... It's a heart issue. It's something in here, in me, that I want to be justified. I want to be right. And the problem there is the word I. I. As God's disciple, as his child, I'm supposed to say God needs to be right. 
God needs to be justified. God needs to be glorified in this situation. It's a heart issue, and I struggle. I struggle with wanting retaliation. I struggle with wanting to be right. Oh, I struggle with wanting to be right. That's that's hard, especially when I know I'm right and they're wrong. If we struggle with wanting retaliation, when we feel that we've been wronged, we're struggling with love. We're struggling with loving somebody because we're putting our rights before theirs. And again, I'm not talking about an abusive situation, whether that's sexually, emotionally, verbally, physically. I'm not talking about abusive situations. I'm talking about everyday life. You get cut off in traffic at that stupid intersection at 140 and Homer Adams because they're doing all that work and everybody doesn't know how to drive. I struggle with love. It takes you 20 minutes to get through there at night. Whose justice am I seeking? Whose rights am I seeking? I struggle with love. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Do we love each other like Jesus loved us? Okay, I need a little crowd participation here. I need you to finish a sentence. Okay? Finish a sentence. It's going to be really hard, so you need to think about it really carefully, okay? They will know we are Christians by our... Oh! You mean... You're telling me they're not going to know we're Christians by what we stand against? They're not going to know we're Christians by what we denounce? They won't know we are Christians because we're pro-life or anti-homosexual. Got really quiet in here. Cassie and I are constantly talking to our girls about this one sentence. Refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. And the premise behind that sentence is that being offended is a choice. We choose to be offended. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't out there trying to offend you. Because there is that. But it only works if we give in, if we choose to be offended. There are people in my life who are offensive. But I can live my life in a way that I'm not offended by them. I don't work in the church building 24-7. I, I work with people, I'm pretty sure I work with murderers and pimps and drug dealers. I am 95% certain on all three of those. And I could choose to be offended by their lifestyle. I could choose to be offended by what they say, by what they talk about around me. Now, most of them had caught the, the idea that I'm not a part of that, but that I'm there for them. But it's my choice. It's my choice if I'm going to be offended. I don't have it on the screen, 
But look at John chapter 4. Read John chapter 4. It is my favorite chapter in all of Scripture, by the way, and I've said that many times. It's Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Read it. And look at the intentions of the woman. How she talks to Jesus. If you just read it casually, you're not going to get the little inflections. But think about this. She's a Samaritan woman. She's by herself. She's at a well in the middle of the day. No other women around her. And there's a Jewish rabbi sitting there who Jewish people hate Samaritans. So that ain't a good situation. And then he starts talking to her. And so she keeps making these little jabs at him. Trying to get him, I think, this is Mike D's thought process here. Trying to get him to go away. Like, Jesus is talking about God and stuff. And she's like, oh, well, you Jews say you have to worship in Jerusalem, but we worship up here. Well, that's that's not going to matter. When the one comes, you know, the Messiah is going to make everything right. Well, I don't know. but And she keeps making these little jabs at him. Just read it. Read it. Look at it from that perspective of a Samaritan woman and a Jewish rabbi. And she doesn't want to be around him. Jesus refuses to be offended by what she says. And the crazy thing is, is in Scripture, that is the first time he tells somebody he's the Messiah. And he does it to somebody who's trying to offend him. I love that. I don't know her reasoning, other than maybe trying to get him away, maybe trying just to offend him, to get him to be quiet. He refuses to be offended. How are you guys at turning the other cheek? I know I'm not the greatest at it, specifically with people closest to me. It's kind of hard if I don't have a relation, or kind of easy if I don't have a relationship with the person, and I'm sitting there, and they're trying to be offensive. I'm like, whatever, in five minutes, I'm not going to know you anymore. We're just in the grocery store. But with people that I live with, I have family, when they try to be offensive, it's hard to turn the other cheek. Maybe it's the opposite for you. Maybe it's easy to turn the other cheek with family and it's hard with strangers. I, everybody's different. But how are we at turning the other cheek? You see, you don't hear many sermons talking about the evils of gluttony. You don't hear many sermons talking about the evils of hoarding wealth You don't hear many sermons talking about our pet sins because we're not offended by them. How many of us, okay, me, look at me, I'm still overweight. That is my struggle. That is where I struggle with sin, that and speeding. Um, I'm just being real. I don't struggle with homosexuality. I don't struggle with the idea of abortion. I don't struggle with these high-profile sins. And it's easy to talk about them because they're not my struggle. And it's easy to be offended by them because they're not my struggle. You don't hear very many sermons on overeating because that's our sin. We don't want to be offended. Full confession. Because of everything going on with protests and stuff, I wanted to know what Dave Chappelle talked about. So Cassie and I sat down and watched it. It's less a comedy show and more of a worldview. 
And he talks about what he's dealing with and the direction he wants to go. And now there's all this backlash because people are offended by what he said. Dave Chappelle was offensive before he started talking about gay people and transphobia and all this other stuff. But it wasn't until a group of people got offended that it became a big deal. And that's a whole nother kit and caboodle. But what are we offended by? Are we offended by overeating and overspending and greed and lust? Or are we offended by people who abort babies and people who struggle with homosexuality? And do we forget that sin is sin? And do we forget that Jesus came for those people too? You see, it's a heart issue. It's, I struggle with love. Patrick Mead talks about um, how he has Samaritans in his life. And he references John chapter 4. And the group of Samaritans change periodically. And, and, and what, what he means by that is there's like a group of people he has trouble loving, is to put it gently. There's a group of people that, that would offend him. And, and I've taken that and I look at my own life and yeah, there are groups of people that are offensive to me. I won't tell you who they are or what they are. But that is where God wants me to grow in my love. Can I even tell you that there were groups of people in the church that were my Samaritans that I had a hard time hugging? It's not just sinners in the world, it's sinners in the church too that I have a hard time with. And that is my school. That is my classroom. That is where God wants me to learn to love better. Because that's the issue here. That's the issue. It's not, am I going to turn the other cheek? It's, am I going to love that person? If you really boil it down. It's not, do I want to get my justice? It's, how am I going to love this person like Christ? And as I'm thinking about this, as I'm reading on this, I'm like, okay, How can I start to love like Christ? And I really wish that I would have thought about that before I wrote, how do I love like Christ? This came to me this morning. So if you want to scratch out do, and put how do I start to love like Christ, that's probably more accurate. So how do I start to love like Christ? Number one, I need to remember that I am a slave. Specifically a slave to Christ. Just took the air out of the room. He said slave. Yeah, I did. As Christians, we're slaves to Christ. Scripture says in Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Specifically right here, he's talking about money and the love of money and how you're going to be a slave to something, so you might as well choose God, right? But that theme goes throughout the New Testament of being a slave to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6.19-20, through 20, It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. 
As Christians, I am a, as a Christian, I am a slave to Christ. Pure and simple. He is my master. And I am to do the master's will. I know a slave has such a negative connotation in today's society. But God is the best master. There's none other better. And you are going to be a slave to something. You get to choose what you're going to be a slave to. But you're going to be a slave to something. As God's slave, I'm to do the master's bidding. I'm to love people. He told us that. We already read that. I'm supposed to do what he wants. And I represent him in everything I do and everywhere I go. I do not have rights that God has not given me. So when I am seeking justice, I am seeking God's justice. I am not seeking my own because I don't have my own. I have God's. I have what the Master gives me. And if you have this mentality, what happens when somebody's trying to offend you? What happens when you think you have the right to retaliate? Doesn't Scripture say something about like, vengeance isn't yours, vengeance is God's? Look that up. Vengeance will be his. Retaliation will be his. And he's going to have it on his terms, not mine. And again, I am not up here talking to you like I have this down. Please don't hear that. This is, this is school for me. This is my classroom. This is what I'm learning. If I'm going to be God's slave, I don't have any rights that the master did not give me. And he is a good and loving and gracious master. And I'm to love like him. What does that look like? What does that look like for you? Something else. If I want to start to love like Christ, that I have to remember. If I want to start to love like Christ, I have to remember that I am a disciple of Christ. It's a little bit different than a slave. A disciple is an apprentice. We've talked about this in the sermon series already. We talked about the student who is watching the master work. The student who is trying to emulate the master. I work in a steel shop. I went to school to be a photographer. I had no experience before I started that job. None. None. I didn't even know what a tap was. Some of you know what a tap was. You work on engines. You need a car tap every once in a while. I actually had used one before I started working there. And then I learned language before when I used that tap because it broke off in the engine block. I learned some language that day. That was a bad day. Luckily, the alternator bracket had three bolts and not just two. Um, But everything I've learned in the steel business, I've learned on the job watching somebody work. I can program brake presses because my supervisor taught me. I can weld. I'm not a welder. I can weld. I can make two pieces of metal go together and stay together. 
I can grind really good so it looks like I'm a welder. But I've learned all of that on the job. I'm an apprentice. I'm a disciple of Christ. If I want to love like him, I have to watch him love people. That's one of the reasons I love John chapter 4 so much. That is a classroom. Watching Jesus love somebody who is offensive. Like, society thought she was offensive. Her own society thought she was offensive. And my master loved her. And I need to learn from the master if I'm going to love like the master. You see, being offended is a choice. John 1334. We've read it once already. I have it on your notes twice. There's a reason it's on your notes twice. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. I'm supposed to love like the Master. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I always miss that second sentence. Outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, we've been talking about love, but what if we were outdoing one another in showing honor? How much offense would be in this room? We wouldn't have to turn the other cheek. We'd have to be like stupid humble. Outdo one another in showing honor. Oh my gosh. Again, a disciple is an apprentice. They're supposed to follow their master. The goal of being a disciple is to be like the master. God is love. Christ is love. If I'm to be their apprentice and become like them, then I shouldn't, I should be known by my love. You guys said that. They will know you are Christians by your love. I'm not there yet. Some of you know me by my love, but I'm not there with everybody. That's, that's, John, first John, 4.8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Being offensive is not love. I'm offensive. I have been offensive. I'm going to be offensive again. It's not love. I struggle with that. I want to love like my master. I'm his disciple. I need to love like my master. Our world looks at Christians and knows them by their hate. Servers hate working on Sunday afternoons. I know this. I ran a restaurant and my one of my days was Sundays. From noon to two, we hated our customers. We had a group that would come in, take over half our dining room, let their kids run crazy, throw trash all over the place, leave a mess, and when we would walk out, there'd be tip, there'd be a tip on the table. I'm like, holy crap, that's a $20 bill. And we pull it out, and half of it's a $20 bill. The other half is a tract telling you how much Jesus loves you. That's not love. That's just a way to piss people off. 
I'm sorry if that's offensive, but that's what it is. Servers hate the Sunday afternoon crowds. It is my goal as somebody who used to work in a restaurant on Sunday afternoons, I let them know that God loves them. I don't tell them, hey, Jesus loves you because that ain't going to work. We clean up after ourselves. We leave a tip if we go to a restaurant like that. We are nice and gracious to the, if we're at a fast food restaurant, I do, I don't just do this on Sundays, but like Taco Bell and Bethalto, I hate Taco Bell. Oh, it's, I feel sick after eating it. But for some reason, my children love Taco Bell. And they only get cheesy roll-ups. We could do this at home. But we pull in the drive-thru at Taco Bell, and the girl on the other side goes, Welcome to Taco Bell. How are you doing today? Oh, she's so sweet. I'm like, I'm really good. How are you? And her response tells me that nobody ever asks her how she's doing. Because there's always a pause, and she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for asking. How do we treat the people around us? That's just restaurant workers, which by the way are few and far between right now. What about people at Walmart? I am guilty of looking down at people at Walmart except Andy. I made the joke with my children. The one day we're walking in and I'm masking up. And Cara goes, Dad, you are fully vaccinated. Why are you putting on a mask? I go, as long as Walmart lets me put on a mask, I'm going to wear a mask in Walmart. Why? When you're older, you'll understand. That's me being guilty of being offensive, okay? That's not me bragging about something. I'm telling you, you know, that's just my mentality, okay? You can, there's Facebook groups of called people of Walmart. I'm not the only one who thinks this, okay? But I'm the one talking about it right now. This is where I need to grow. Where do you need to grow? Who are your Samaritans? Who are the ones that you take for granted? Who are the ones that you're rude to? Because we're all guilty of being offensive to somebody. Where are you being offensive? Mike, we're talking about being offended, not being offensive. Oh, it's a heart issue. It goes both ways. Number three, if I want to start to love like Christ, I need to remember that I am a child of God. Romans 8.16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I'm a child of God, but I need to remember that everybody else is a child of God. Everybody. Mike, you're... No. Christians are children of God. Mmm... Did God create everybody? Yeah? Everybody's a child of God. Some just don't even acknowledge that their dad exists. But everybody's a child of God. And I need to remember that. Because if I'm picking on our brother or sister, my dad ain't going to be happy. Ephesians 4.32. This is the verse I read where I was like, holy crap, this is a heart issue. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's great. Tender-hearted. Oh. 
Not just be kind to one another, be tender-hearted. Forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Tender-hearted. I am not known for being tender-hearted. My children will tell you that I love them, but am I gentle all the time? No. Right now, for like the past few weeks, Car has been complaining that her ankle hurts. Now, she'll be running and be crazy and have fun. It doesn't hurt at all. The minute I tell her to do something, ow, my ankle hurts. And like, suck it up, buttercup, and get to work. Cassie sat me down the other night. Car's been complaining about her ankle hurting for a long time. (laughs) But she's like, you're not, she's a girl. She's not a little boy. You're right. I'm not being tender-hearted. What would a stranger think of me if they walked up to me like that and I'm like, whatever. Not being tender-hearted. This one kind of hurts. If I'm going to be like my Heavenly Father, I must work on my heart. And I'm not just talking about God's family. So don't look for loopholes. What are you talking about? Don't look for loopholes. I look for loopholes. That person's not a Christian. I don't have to be Christ to them. That's probably who you should be Christ to the most. I'm going to put this out there. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Because I'm known to be wrong. I don't think Jesus came to the earth to spread justice. When I read Scripture, I see Jesus coming to the earth to spread mercy. John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. Even people who don't go to church know John 3.16. That's the banner you hold up at wrestling events. For God, this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And we stop there. That's the one we all know, right? We stop there. Did you know there's John 3.17? John 3.17 says, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Huh. Justice said we all die. Mercy says we all live. How often do I forget that? when I'm dealing with somebody who's offensive. I have to remember that I'm no better than anyone around me. In fact, Jesus said, I'm supposed to be less. I'm supposed to be less. I'm supposed to be a servant. There are two types of humanity on the planet. And this is not racist. This is scripture. There are two types of humanity on the planet. There's old Adam and new Adam. Old Ecclesia, new Ecclesia. Old humanity, new humanity. There's the people outside of Christ and the people covered in Christ's blood. Two types of people on the planet. And the people who are the new humanity are called to be the servants of the old. How can I be offended If my Lord and Savior wasn't. 
So this is less about actually turning the other cheek and more about a tender heart. And that hurts me. I don't know where you're at. I'm, I'm talking to myself here this morning. I've been talking to myself. I, I got up this morning really early, earlier than I wanted to, and the dog heard me. So I had to let the dog out. And then I sat on the couch for a while because I was like, I am so not prepared for this sermon. I, I don't, I have stuff, but I'm, oh, I'm so not ready for this. And I, t- I went over my sermon and I sat there with the dog because she was, she's wild. And I had my coffee and my raisin cinnamon toast, which is delicious. And, and then I was like, okay, I need to get ready. And I went in our room and I got a shower and everything. And Cassie's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not ready for the sermon. I'm going to go to the church building. It's going to be great. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to some Jesus music. I'm going to go over my lesson again. And I sat down and going over to Jesus music and my sermon. I'm like, I'm so not ready for this sermon. You know why I'm not ready for this sermon? Because the sermon hurts. Me. This is, this is a test. This is, this is hard. And I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at. I don't even know if you're a Christian. But we need to choose to not be offended. And a lot of what I've been saying is directed towards people who are in Christ, who have been washed in the blood, who are Christians, who are followers, who are disciples. And if you're not, oh my gosh, you probably heard me say slave and you're like, what? You're looking for the door. You heard me talk about being a student. You're like, I'm out of school. I don't want this anymore. Can I tell you how great it is to be a child of God? How great it is to be a slave to Christ? It is so awesome. Our world puts such a negative spin on that word slave, and I purposely used it. I could have said servant, but that like waters it down. It is so awesome to be a child of God, to be in His family, to know where I'm going to spend eternity. Scripture says, I know the Scriptures and they've made me wise for salvation. If you're sitting here and you're not there, and you're like, what are you talking about? There are people in this church who would be excited to open up Scripture with you, to show you how you can know where you're going to spend eternity. Like, sure, absolutely, 100%, I'm going to heaven I'm a part of the kingdom which starts, it's here, it's here. I don't go somewhere to be a part of the kingdom, it's here. And you can be a part of that too. You can be a part of that family. There's somebody here who invited you. Talk to them. They would be so excited to open scripture with you. They might not be like, oh oh my gosh, uh, I need to talk to somebody because I'm going to need help. That's fine. Let them find help. It's not that they're trying to be offensive or push push it off. They want to make sure you know. And you can get baptized and washed in the blood of Christ. And you can have that assurity of knowing. And if you're my brother or sister in Christ, are we choosing to be offended? Because there are many times that I choose to be offended. Like, it's really hard when the person is purposely trying to offend you. Oh, I get it. I get it. And so does Christ. Christ knows. Because He was there. He went through everything we go through. But where's our hearts? Where are our hearts? I need to work on being tenderhearted. That's, that's here. That's me. I so need to work on that. What do you need to work on? Where are you? 
We have small groups in this church. And if you're a part of a small group, awesome. Talk to your small group about your struggle. Are, are you struggling with being offended? Are you struggling with being tenderhearted? If you're not a part of a small group, I want to encourage you. Small group's where it's at. That's where it happens. Sunday morning's great. Worship's awesome. Listening to somebody talk is great. Edifying, that's a big word for I got learned. But small group's where it happens. I love small group. We have a family as a small group. And, and we spur each other on sometimes. That doesn't, that, that might sound like, oh, hey, hey, that spurs hurt. Sometimes it's iron sharpening iron. There's a lot of sparks. But there's always love and usually food. Again, I want to encourage you. Talk to your small group. Get involved in a small group. We have in your bulletin, there's a prayer card. And you can write out prayers on it. You can check some boxes, try to find a small group. You can even write in the prayer section, I would like to find a small group. And somebody can get in touch with you. All the prayers are confidential. They, we don't, just don't go talking about them. And there's that's a tool you can use to find more out, to figure more out. You can even set up a Bible study. If, you're too, if, if you don't want to talk to somebody today about it and you would like to see what being a Christian is all about, you can check that box. I would like a personal Bible study. And somebody will be in contact with you. Make sure you put your information down so they can contact you. Uh, you can put those in the baskets in the back. That's where we also are taking up our contribution right now. If you're a guest, we didn't ask you to come here to give something from you. I, I hope you got something this morning. Please don't think that we want your money because we don't. We're good. It's weird, but we're good. We just want you to know that Christ loves you and that we are imperfect. I know that scripture that Kara read said, be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. I'm not there. Nobody here is there. That's our goal. That's the goal of the disciple, to be like our Heavenly Father. And we would love to walk alongside you as you're a part of that journey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Son providing a way to be a part of your family, for this place, Father, where we can come and worship you, for our country where we don't have to worry about dying because we're Christian. I pray as a group, we will be known for our love and not for what offends us. I pray that we'll be known as people who love the hard to love and the loveless. I pray that our hearts can become tender hearted. I pray for my heart, Father, to be tender and gentle. And just help us, Father, to be more like you and to be like your son. And he was the ultimate non-offended person. He could have retaliated and he didn't. Thank you so much for that example and for the love that you've shown us. Help us to spread that love. It's in your name I pray. Amen.